Hey everyone, it's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival, and once again, we're traveling down the rabbit hole of government overreach and oversight when it comes to your privacy and your ability to stay off the radar of labeling you as a person of interest in their war on terror. Now, I know this sounds like some conspiracy mumbo-jumbo, but there are more than enough case studies and court cases for you to dig into in order to convince you that times have changed. And it's in your best interest to lay low while seeking out ways to better protect yourself and your family. Now, you're going to see exactly what I mean as we dig into this week's topic. So let's go ahead and get started. If bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. The government and countless other people are spying on you or trying very hard to do so. It happens literally every day in countless ways you probably don't even know about. I mean, Big Brother could, of course, be the government, but the people looking into your data could also be hackers and other malicious actors. In the war for control of all of your personal data, it's you versus them. And knowing exactly what steps to take can be difficult for the layman to figure out. But for the skip tracer, it's a way of life. And the secrets they possess are about to... Or and the secrets they possess about how to secure your data and your identity are what we're here to talk about right now. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another survival podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And joining us today to discuss how to protect yourself from threats to your privacy, I'm talking once again to digital privacy expert and former skip tracer, Frank Ahern. Frank, welcome back to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Yeah, and I know you're on a different time zone, so I appreciate the uh, taking the extra time out for us. Listen, everyone, yes, for the sir. for the past 30 years, Frank has been in a business that really resembles kind of a game of international hide-and-seek. He was the number one skip tracer in the world, hunting down people from Belgium to Belize, and is today a leading privacy expert with the superpower of helping people virtually disappear off the face of the earth. He's the author of How to Disappear from Big Brother, The Digital Hitman, and How to Disappear, Erase Your Digital Footprints. And you can learn more about Frank, his books, and his services at www.disappear.info. Now, Frank, there are a lot of us who are concerned with the Department of Homeland Security's new criteria for labeling citizens. I mean, talking like everyday American citizens as potential domestic terrorists, simply because of you know common activities like collecting firearms or storing survival food for a crisis, and even now just questioning the government's surveillance efforts like online or in public. Technology has made it really easy for the National Security Agency and other, and other government spy groups to detect if you're taking part in these activities. And, and I always wonder if I'm already on some watch list. You know, and I think that's a lot of people's question out there. So how can someone tell if you're being watched? What are what are some specific warning signs someone should evaluate or check that could signal that they're in the government's crosshairs as like a, a person of interest, an enemy of state enemy of the state or like a potential threat? Well well 
I think we're beyond the point of warning signs, okay? I mean, technology is so easily extracted or you know, digital information is so easily extracted that it's, it's standard operating procedure for the government. So if you belong to certain organizations or purchase certain things online, your information is no doubt extracted and, you know, put into a database or part of big data. See, I act as if, you know, that I am being watched, okay? And I think individuals need to act as if that they are currently on the list because this way they can create awareness of what they do, who they do it with, how they do it. You know, it's wiser to assume you are than to be hopeful that you're not, you know? you know, But the thing is, you know, this is not paranoia, but, but the strange part about what I do is, you know, never underestimate the paranoia too. I mean, if you feel paranoid, there might be that 1% chance that you are on the list and it's most likely real. And to me, it's better to be safe and assume than to have the over to underestimate and think you're not on the list. So it's a, it's a question of how you operate and you exist daily. But go go with the flow and just assume you're on the list. Yeah, I guess if if you're feeling paranoid, you know that there's some activity that you're doing that is is now being considered potentially nefarious by the government and so that should be a warning sign like you said it's better to it's better to proactively stay off the list than it is to try to get off the list you know once once you've been identified or you know basically to be aware that you're on the list so be aware of your actions you know you know so before you do something or before you order something you know assume there's a trace Assume if you order a, a, a piece of merchandise or something for your, you know, your future prepping or whatever it may be, that there is the possibility that your name and that purchase will end up in the government hands. That, that's a good point. Actually, that's that's a huge question I'm going to have for you later on because that is a, a big concern for a lot of people. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, there, you know, when you think about it. Um, especially when it comes to tracking and, and, and the assumption that you're being tracked, um, you can pretty much see anywhere online that we're being, we're being tracked. And so much of our lives these days really are spent online. And, and with, for some gun, some good ways also. I mean, there's a lot of networking that we're doing. We've seen the powers of, of networking among like-minded people. And, you know, we're, we are interacting more with social media, like in forums and on blogs and, and other internet type communities. So, you know, we'd like to be able to capitalize on that and be able to use those those connections. But are there any, you know, maybe specific settings or applications that I need to keep an eye out for? And what should I change when I use social media like Facebook and forums to stay as private as possible? Well, the one thing I always suggest to my clients is use two different laptops and two different Internet connections. I mean, if you have your home connection, your home IP address for your everyday searching, watching Netflix, whatever it may be. And the IP address, the IP address is like your, that's like the thumbprint for your computer, it's, right? It's like your internet telephone line. Okay. You know, that, that's what, that's what they, your cable company or internet provider has a list of every address you searched online. And, and, and so what I suggest to my clients is, you know, 
buy prepaid digital wireless internet service. You can buy it in different stores and use a, a laptop, a cheap laptop that doesn't have your name on it, that has zero identifiers, okay? And you use that for your other type of business. Uh, and keep, learn to keep your home separate and your personal actions outside of home separate. You know, that's really important. But, you know, the thing about social media and, and blogging and forums and things like that, okay, that is information that is definitely extracted, definitely reviewed. I'm always under the, un, under the guise that when someone contacts me, you know, they're either cop, criminal, or crazy. As simple as that until proven otherwise. And I say cop, meaning someone wants to see if I'm doing something nefarious, like selling fake IDs or whatever, you know, or a criminal looking to, you know, money launder or just some crazy person. So I'm always aware that the person who contacts me or the person that I'm in a forum with may not be who they are. And I think that's a very important thing that must be considered. And I would also consider not entering those forums or that social media with uh, your real identity. If you look at just what's happened in Paris and the terrorist attack there, they made all the police take down their social media because it, it's a bevy of information. It's, 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 it's the blueprint to who you are to a degree in the world because government can just create these profiles on you and it's, and you're giving it away. And that's what I, I'm always saying don't give it away. It's gold. Why, if you had a piece of gold, you wouldn't give it out for free. Why give it online for free? Because that company is just making money off of you. Yeah, it must make you cringe sometimes to see some of the comments people might leave in, in social media or on forums and things like that and just how much information they're giving away about. And, you know, we talk about, you know, being on the list, the information that people put there that are that are the red flags that, like, the government's looking for, you know, the things that are anti-government or, you know, um, like ultra, ultra pro gun to the point of, you know, we need to, we need to like, you know, start a war for our second amendment rights, things like that, that that's, those are exactly the red flags that, that people are looking for. Right. And the truth is something that could be said within innocently could be misconstrued to something that, you know, dastardly. So you have to be really cautious. And I think if you look at what happens now is, you know, when something's on the internet, there's no tolerance. You know, there's no, there's no, well, maybe he didn't mean it like that. No, he meant it like that. You know, let's take action. You know, I, I, you know, I just want to just interject something here. Yeah. I do skip tracing for one or two clients, you know, one of my big clients. And how I find people today is so different than what I, the way I used to find them. This, and it's usually through social media. It's through their sister who has pictures online from Christmas. It's uh, their LinkedIn, and I connect them to their wife. And what people don't realize is if you're really good at researching, you can piece together these profiles that really would blow the average person away. It's kind of scary. That's really interesting. Can we can we kind of play that backwards a little bit? And, um, okay, so so now my fear is, okay, I'm doing everything I can, you know, Whew, I've, I've got the bubble around me. I feel protected. But my third cousin, you know, twice removed, who I just saw at the, uh, at the, at the picnic last week, like, you know, now you're right. I mean, it's that, it's the Kevin Bacon, uh, 
a syndrome, isn't it? Like there's always yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. how do we, pro- how do we protect from that as much as possible? Like, you know, that there is that chain. Don't be so truthful with putting online information. <laughs> you know, a very simple example. One of the guys I was looking for owed my client a ton of money, but he had a pretty common name, right? I was shifting through Facebooks, Facebooks, and Facebooks with, with, of that name. And now how I found him is I, was, I scrolled through every timeline. Eventually, somebody wished him a happy birthday, and I had his date of birth. So I knew that that Facebook account was the guy I was looking for, okay? Mm. A very simple thing. And I tell people all the time, listen, you have social media, that's great, but don't be so truthful about it. I mean, there's no need to give that stuff away because you just don't know how it affects you in two years from now. And you have to remember, I mean, you know, think about preppers and people, you know, the people who, like, listen to you, you know, on their show. I mean, they they have a philosophy that's important to them. Okay, yeah. and the, the to me the, the the color of the country is becoming anti subculture to a degree, and what today may not be so dangerous, but it could be viewed as a threat in three years from now. I mean, who knows? So how you speak and identifying yourself online is a very dangerous thing. Well, and you talk about just to kind of throw some tactics out from our last from our last interview. You talk about using disinformation to help create kind of like a, a clone identity that does make you hard to find because that is how I find people on Facebook. I go and I look and see. Okay, well, I know they went to my high school, and I know that their you know their original maiden name would be this, and you know, so that is how we find people. And so, being able to create an identity of disinformation where you put out put down a different like if that person put down a different um birth date then you might not have found them or if they put down they went to a different high school or they live in a different state or you know whatever um there are ways to use information to kind of create more of like a kind of a force field around you a little bit right i mean the internet is a big circle all these websites want to link to one another they they want to have you know frank ahern connection to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, one big circle. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, absolutely creating disinformation is a great tool. I mean, you sign on Facebook, ask where you live, man, say Chicago, if you live in Tennessee. I mean, you don't, if you're looking, especially individuals who are preppers, okay, and who are, you know, certain types of patriots, why give your real information online? Because all you're doing is, you're opening up your driveway for somebody to sit out there and take pictures of you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the, the thought process should be, you know, let me say I live in Chicago, but I really live in Cincinnati. Let me deviate my date of birth a little bit. You know, little things like that. The, yeah. prob- the problem is, though, is if you have your picture on there and you have certain information and then your cousin posts a picture from the family reunion of you, the picture's link. And you have to be very careful of what other people do with your information. And I always suggest to my clients that you need to educate those around you that, you know, you don't want to be a part of this. You do not want them to just put your information out there, which I find kind of crazy that people do it without asking. Yeah. Yeah, it's become kind of assumed. 
Okay, we're talking with Frank Ahern of Disappear.info about how to create an underground identity and protect yourself from digital spies. We'll be back here in just a moment with some more strategies, such as how to secretly shop for red flag items online, covert communication tactics, and counter-espionage tactics and gadgets for laying low. But first, check out this special message. Are you a proud defender of the Second Amendment? Are you tired of your whiny sister-in-law's liberal tantrums about the need for more gun control? Are you infuriated with government gun grabbers trying to strip you of your God-given right to own a nuclear bazooka? Well, my fellow patriot, it's time for a Smackdown. Smackdown. In our free 2AD Smackdown debate guide, you'll discover how to win any gun control argument armed with three questions. That's right. Just ask these three simple questions and watch as that smug little smile disappears from their little face of even the most ignorant know-it-all liberal. Plus, you'll discover easy, fact-based, can't-lose, crybaby comebacks for the most common myths, misinformation, and outright lies. Like, gun shows are the criminal's flea market. Countries with tighter gun control have lower crime rates. Banning guns protects our children. More control keeps guns out of the hands of crazy people. And a whole lot more. Arm yourself now with the ultimate argument winner by claiming your free copy of 2AD Smackdown. Visit www.2adsmackdown.com. That's the number 2, adsmackdown.com. And now, back to our show. Okay, we're back with Frank Ahern of Disappear.info as he reveals strategies anyone can use to live a life under the radar and protect your privacy. Now, we have a lot more coming up, so let's go ahead and jump right back in. And Frank, one of the things that I think people should be concerned with is shopping online for preparedness or other other red flag items that Department of Homeland Security or other agencies, you know, consider to be potential, you know, signs that you should be a person of interest. Now, I know I can use cash when I shop in person, but a lot of the things that that preppers and armed citizens need can't be purchased locally. And besides that, you can always find like better deals by shopping around online. So how can I shop online without alerting the government or other people to what I'm buying and what's arriving at my house? Yeah, this is huge. I mean, this is like this. This is like one of the biggest topics that I think is really challenging for people. What I would do, and it's a little extreme, okay. If I knew what I wanted to buy online, I would go out and get a prepaid debit card. Or let's say you're buying it on Amazon. You know, you go to the supermarket and get a prepaid Amazon card. Okay, you don't have your name, no social, no identifier. And the great part about purchasing things today, you can order something and know exactly what day it's coming. So if I want to buy some things on Monday and I know they're going to be delivered on Wednesday, basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to rent a hotel room for Wednesday and let the hotel room know that I'm coming out of town and I'm expecting a package there. And what happens is I order the information, my product online, it gets shipped to the hotel Ideally, you know, I could go to the hotel, pick it up, and walk out. It never goes to my home address. It's, you know, it's associated with my name. Or 
if you're in a big city, sometimes you can pay somebody like a homeless person or somebody on the streets to walk in and basically check in as you if they don't ask for ID and then just have them pick up the package and bring it out to you on the corner. I have clients who do it all the time. They just don't want certain things coming to their home. They, they send it to a hotel. Yeah, that's, in, that's interesting. I know that there are services that, that kind of do that. I, you know, it's, um, there's kind of like a, an in-between mailing type option. But, um, yeah, that one sounds like it's a lot more in your control. And, uh, it doesn't, and especially I think if it's a, like one of those small little shacky type motels, you know, they probably have like three pickup trucks in the, uh, in the driveway from people that are traveling through or whatever. It doesn't mean you can't stand down outside the hotel room in your car watching when UPS shows up and intercept the UPS driver saying, excuse me, you got a package for Frank Ahern? I'm right here. Yeah, right. And, and you grab it. Right. Okay. You know, but, so the question is, when you ship the package, do you ship it in your name? Do you ship, ship it in a fake company name? Just understand, hotels know that people travel, and they sometimes have to ship items for seminars and things like that. So mm-hmm. they do accept packages. I mean, if you're gonna, if you guys are gonna have a, you could rent a conference room for the day, and the conference room can be under, you know, ABC, you know, teleconferencing services. And all the packages come there that day, and everybody gets their goods and and moves on. To well, me, and, that's that's the wisest way of doing it. Yeah, and I suppose I mean also I saw even sitting in the line at the post office that you can get Visa cards right at the post office now. There's no name on it or anything. You just pay them, and now you have a prepaid Visa card. And yeah, the problem is, let me just interrupt you. So sure, yeah. The problem with that though is this is one of the things I talk about is you know. Creating footprints is actually connections. You gotta remember there's a camera in the post office. Yeah. So I suggest to my clients when they're buying the prepaid cards, you know, they just find that guy down the street looks like he needs like five or ten bucks and he goes into the supermarket and gets the cards for you. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to also remember when you're doing things, you know, people are, think traces and digital footprints and connections are typically just quote online. Okay. But a lot, a lot of traces happen offline, like the purchasing of prepaid phones. I mean, you buy a prepaid phone, you make a phone call, you think it's anonymous. Well, it's not anonymous because you bought it at the store and, you, and your face is on the camera. So you have to, you have to think beyond the computer, and, and privacy does go beyond the digital. Yeah, yeah, good points. You know, a lot of our listeners realize that their chances for survival are going to be much higher during a crisis when they don't follow a lone wolf strategy. And that's why a lot of people have really begun to develop mutual aid groups or mutual assistant groups or, you know, what we call survival teams to help them prepare for supporting and protecting each other against threats during a crisis. The problem is that these types of groups are now being scrutinized by government alphabet agencies. And, um, you know, really being looked at as like domestic terrorist cells, even though these are really just responsible citizens who are, are trying to do nothing more than trying to protect themselves and their families, which is exactly what like DHS is asking people to do. So right. with the threat of being stuck on some watch list, it's really made it difficult for these teams to communicate back and forth to coordinate like training or inventory of food and water management and schedule meetings and things like that. And really just keeping the entire team team up to date on preparedness levels. So 
What would you say is the best method of covert communication that our teams can use to to coordinate the things that we need to and yet not have to worry about the communication putting on, you know, putting us on some government watch list? I find a useful tool of communicating is using online reviews, okay? Be it online reviews of books or films, okay? For example, you buy the book Watership Down online on Amazon, okay? And the whole group knows that that month, Watership Down is the book. So I, I need to put information in that we need to buy X amount of gallons of water, and this person needs to buy it, that person needs to buy it, okay? Characters in the book are assigned names to pe- with people in, in the group. I type online, this is a wonderful book. Perhaps they should have had 16 gallons of water on the ship. You know, perhaps, you know, money number six should have done this. And what happens is the review goes online and individuals are just looking at the reviews. They understand the protocol that, you know, oh, 16 gallons of water, maybe 160 gallons of water. And, or you use another book like Atlas Shrugged and you have like a name like Dagny was a main character and she could be AM and another character is Atlas and he could be PM. And the main person, whoever's posting it can post reviews of the book, but in in the interior of the book, what they're doing is they're just telling where the meeting's going to be. Is it AM? Is it PM? Uh, who's going to be there, where it should be. And what happens is once it's over and done with, you can just delete the review and it's gone. That's what I would do. And I think that's the best way of doing it because you can do it with books, you can do it with movies, you can do it on you know websites like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Rotten Tomatoes, and start utilizing books as points of reference and reviews as places to put the information. What about um I think it was David uh David Petraeus when he was <clears throat> you know the uh, <clears throat> excuse me head of the CIA was caught in like that scandal for having an affair and what he was doing was um you know they would he would have like a Gmail account and keep a an email in draft form and then his lover would go in and and be able to you know, just look at the draft form like it was never sent out over the internet. I mean, this is the head of the CIA, and he eventually got caught, but not. But it was mostly because of um, it was kind of like a, an almost an accident that he was caught. Uh, that's kind of a common method that's being used these days. Would you recommend that type of um, of an approach? Listen, that, those days were over. <laughs> I mean, listen, the minute you sign into your email account, okay, every action you do is recorded. Okay, so if you open up an email and you type in that email, okay, you have to remember that there's something remembering that. And if it's the, the government is well aware of the draft. I mean, that's that was an interesting idea in the beginning, but definitely not uh, doable these days. But you also have to remember, okay, the problem is if, if they find out that you're doing it from your IP address, all they need to do now is search. Who, who else is accessing that email address from what IP address? So they know that you're in communications with that other person. So, with, and most likely, whether it be GoDaddy Network Solution or Gmail, even though it's a draft, they have a copy of it. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Um, you know, Frank, 
I love gadgets. <laughs> so, and this is the, uh, you know, the, the kind of spy technology that's on the market these days really makes it easy for anyone to remotely scan information off of your phone or even watch and listen to you, even potentially in your own home. So those same spy gadgets can be used against you. Um, I just got back from a long trip with my wife and I even worry like when I'm traveling because, you know, some hotel employee could put in a listening device or a hidden camera, which are really easy to do these days and put that in the room and, and try and get a, a good video shot of my wife, you know, in, in taking a shower or me, you know, her and I in the room or whatever. Are there any spy toys that you would recommend that could help someone counteract the potential surveillance or hacking devices that could be used against us? Uh I'm sure I'm not a technical guy and that's really not, you know, my thing. But, you know, when it comes to like travel, mm-hmm. I don't bring my laptop with me. Okay. If, if I'm going to go to business, do business in Paris, it's worth it for me to fly when I get to Paris to buy like a 400 euro laptop. I fly with a SIM card or I buy a new SIM card. I don't bring my USA phone with me overseas. Okay. Uh, my point is, if you know, for information, I leave the information at home. Uh, but as far as cameras in your room and listening devices, you need somebody else to tell you that. It's just not my uh, forte. <laughs> well, one thing I've um, – a couple things that I've kind of learned along the way. Um, you know, one is that they make privacy screens for, like, your computer. Like, I mean, I always, like you say, you always, always assume that you're being watched or listened to or whatever. And so – um, I, you know, one of the things I worry about are people that will watch your screen. I mean, how many times have we been on the plane or whatever? We're sitting next to somebody. We can basically see what job right. they're doing, you know, what spreadsheet they're working on, how much money that they're investing in certain things, passwords that they type in. It's super easy. And it's just as easy. Um, I now have like a privacy shield that I keep over my my uh, laptop where you you can see it looking straight on, but you can't see it from the side. And I use it for my iPad, too, because I use my iPad a lot. And um, that's one thing that's helped me. And I have been worried about cameras because there is a, um, you know, we hear news stories about people that have, you know, next door neighbor that planted a camera in the teenage girl's bedroom next door, you know, stuff like that. And, um, you know, I always carry a flashlight with me. And one of the things that I've gotten used to doing now is like laying on the bed and then putting the flashlight next to where my eyes are, like facing out and looking for that little signature flash of, you know, glass reflecting back the uh, thing, you know, pointing it at. I mean, I know. I never thought about that. What's that? <laughs> I never thought about that. That's actually an interesting idea. Well, when I used to when I used to be in uh, in the security industry. We used to use hidden cameras, and I know that they can come in alarm clocks. They can come in uh, fire alarms, you know, things like that. Yeah, so um, those are a few things that I do. But, but I guess, like you say, I mean, it really comes down to mindset. You know, it's it's not it's not living paranoid per se. Like you need to be fidgety and like you know be scared of the the demons around you. But you really just have to assume. I guess get out of that bubble of of safety where we just assume that you know. Everybody is fine and upstanding like we are. Listen, we're beyond the we're beyond the point of of, of private anymore. It's yeah, just, you know, it, and I hate to say it, but it, it it doesn't exist because you know 
the things we hear about that are done techno- with technology, okay, mm-hmm. just imagine the things we don't hear about, okay? And every two weeks, every month, there's some new thing that, you know, the NSA did this or the government did that. You know, the truth of the matter is we have to look at ourselves as targets. You know, we're targets, and our, and our privacy is the goal that they want from us. They just want to collect it, and, and you have to have the mindset that, you know, if I sit on if I sit on this plane and I use their internet service, they're capturing everything on on my laptop. Yeah. And you know, if I'm using this hotel internet service, they're capturing everything. I'm buying it, they're capturing it. And and you have to sometimes just be creative and figure out ways around it, or not do it. That's the other alternative, or figure out a way of doing it that's just not uh, so data driven or you know data heavy. I mean, when you purchase something online, you know it goes through like six, seven different hands before it gets to your home, and you know all of that's collected. Data is just collected. As simple as that. Yeah. You know, just a, a, a just a quick follow up question for clarification. Like when you talk about like when you travel, like having a separate a separate laptop, a separate um, phone and things like that. Do you create like an identity around that? Because, I mean, most people aren't going to like travel from Detroit to Minneapolis and then buy another computer in Minneapolis. But is there like a a travel, like clean computer and a clean phone that you have that you'd be able to, like doesn't have that signature? Right. If If I'm going to a place, like, for example, you know, I have a cell phone that, has no stored data within it and it has no apps downloaded. Okay. And I'll use that. Okay. When I'm traveling, I'll use a certain laptop or I'll use an iPad. Okay. And what happens is I wipe it out, you know, or I just basically restore factory settings after I finish my travel. I'm sure there's some trinkets of information on there still, but it's better. It doesn't get lost. My client's information is not on it. So yeah, I mean, have, have, Travel wares, you know, it's yeah. like you don't bring your toothbrush from home, you bring your travel toothbrush, bring your travel laptop, bring your travel phone. Gotcha. Cool. And, yeah, that to me, that's the safest way of doing it. Great. Awesome. Well, Frank, great information as always, and I really appreciate you taking you. some time for us today, man. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Yeah. Okay, everyone, as you can see, safeguarding your privacy really isn't as easy as you may think. It's It really does require prior planning and a strategic mindset. And these tips really are only the beginning. So I highly recommend you go and check out Frank's books and his services at his website at www.disappear.info and really take a look at the critical things that could be your personal weak points, your weak links in your privacy chain. Again, that's www.disappear.info. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.